0: I can see it on my screen. okay it's not looking pretty out there um 45,665 and this is the day where we're doing kind of like the last stream for the year and even though we were all expecting a hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin at the end of the year and we all thought that ethereum may get to ten thousand dollars I think we should take a step back and kind of take a look at what we achieved this year I mean if you look at Bitcoin in the beginning of uh, 2021 let's have a look at where it was I mean it was about there so you are talking about a three or four X or just under a three X on Bitcoin or two and a half X on Bitcoin you look at ethereum at the same time frame you've got yourself uh, let's we can look at where ethereum started the year uh let's say around 900 so ethereum almost at a at a four X then you do have other tokens um Luna 100x for the year so yes, we didn't get our uh, $100,000 Bitcoin that we all hoped for. We didn't get the $10,000 each, but we must celebrate the fact that we had an unbelievable, fantastic year in crypto. And we shouldn't let a few weeks or a few months of weakness overshadow what a great year we had in 2021. But anyway, there are only a few more days left in 2021. So today is actually all about 2022. And today we're gonna explore all the hottest narratives, the hottest topics for 2022. We're gonna prepare you for everything that you need to know in crypto in 2022 so it's going to be probably the most important show that we've made this year it's also going to be the last show that we're doing this year so it's going to be a big one let's get this one started bro he's about the DGN, baby. I'm a crypto star so savvy what he
1: say fast money like a sports car it's all about the DJ life. Make some money, change your wife. Take calls on the old coins. for the bull market height. It's all about the DJ baby, crypto man man. It's all about the DJ baby, crypto crypto man. It's all about the DJ baby,
0: crypto, crypto man man. It's all about the DJ baby, crypto crypto man. Crypto man man, crypto banter. You got crypto questions. They got crypto answers. Jean-Claude Van Damme the the fam, Can he kick it? Yes, he can. Can he kick it? Yes, he can. Crypto Man Ran. He's all about the DJ, baby. Crypto Man Ran. He's all about the DJ, baby. Crypto Man welcome back. Welcome back. I'm Crypto Man Ran. I am here all the time, twice and three times a day, bringing you crypto love and crypto wisdom. And together this year, we have built the most loyal community in crypto and probably the fastest growing community in crypto so 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 if you're new to our channel smash the like button subscribe to our channel this is the one channel that gives you technicals fundamentals gaming covers everything in crypto live crypto streaming and we're building this up to be 24 7 365 by, by mid next year we should be somewhere close to that um before we get into the show today uh, it is the last giveaway that we're going to be doing the last 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 it's the last 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 giveaway that we're going to be doing and that is because monkey ball is launching tomorrow we said it is launching tomorrow but it's launching tomorrow as i predicted it's going to be launching on you know where it's launching ftx so it's launching on ftx tomorrow and so there are a few more giveaways that we have to do if you do want it, i don't want to destroy the show by doing giveaways on the show and i want to give everyone a chance so all you need to do is go to my twitter there is a post on my Twitter that says last chance for monkey ball $100 and go to our BBS, go to the BBS. And there you can enter, just drop your Solana address. We'll choose three or four more winners. And that will be the end of giveaways for this year. That's it. That will be the end of giveaways for 2021. And this will be, I think, unless something drastic happens on the market, the last show that we're doing in 2021, and it's not the best day to be doing a show because it's a bloodbath out there on the markets not only on the crypto markets, but if you look at like what's going on on the markets out there, it's not pretty. Almost every market in the world is down and it seems like it's a combination of the Fed tapering, of Omicron, of just concerns around a, a slower economy. And yeah, it's bringing, it's, bringing the, it's bringing down the markets and Bitcoin is, you know, it, I think it's holding pretty well, it's still around $46,000. Um, but you cannot have Bitcoin flying if the rest of the markets are going to continue to go down. So this is just one of those times where We have to sit back and let the market do its thing and hope that this whole thing turns around. Speaking of turning around, well, I guess the question is whether we can expect a drastic turnaround in 2022 and whether we should, or whether we should prepare ourselves for a bear market. Now, we all think that there's going to be a bull market, but we'll talk about that today. We'll talk about the hottest trends in 2022. We'll talk about some of the successes that we had in 2021. And all of this is done on the back of a report now i feel like a schoolboy because that's the report literally i printed it out it's 200 pages it's 200 pages of reading Lucky. i read 200 pages and just when i thought i wasn't going to do any more shows this year i read this report and i thought you know if we don't bring ryan selkis on and we don't talk about the hottest trends for 2022 in 2021 then our entire market is going to be at a disadvantage because we're going to get into 2022 and then 2022 would have started and everyone says you know 2021 we expected a hundred thousand dollar bitcoin and, and everything else and we didn't get that we didn't get the hundred thousand dollar bitcoin but we got a lot more we got nfts where if in january i would have said to you we're going to have nfts and nfts are going to take over the world you would have said to me you're absolutely crazy we got billions of dollars locked into DeFi, which no one could have expected. We got Solana, we got Luna, we got Luna going to number two in terms of TVL and moving into the top 10 tokens. We have huge, we've made huge advances uh, on blockchain. We've got institutional adoption. We've got Bitcoin as the store of value. We've got the smartest money in the world, the smartest venture money in the world, all flowing into crypto. And all of this was achieved in 2021. And yes, we can look at the price and we can say, okay, well, you know, we didn't get the price that we wanted. But I mean, we've still done a two and a half X on Bitcoin. We've still done four X on Ethereum. We take the market cap, uh, the total market cap. Let's look at it from the beginning of 2021. Where were we? We were at about 751 billion. We're on 2.2 trillion. We're we're we have Bitcoin crossing the trillion dollars for the first time. We have crypto getting to very close to, and I don't remember if it actually touched $3 trillion, but it was very close to $3 trillion. So we've come a long way in in, in, in 2021, and we should celebrate. We should celebrate instead of mourning the fact that we're going through a slight correction or maybe a slight bearish cycle after what has been an unbelievable, unbelievable year in crypto. And I guess the first question that we need to ask is, do we think that this bull run is over? Do we think that We're going into 2022 and we're going to get a 2019-2020 type long-term correction. And then maybe that's a good place to bring in Ryan Selkis, who is the founder and CEO of Masari. And they are the company that actually wrote this. And we're going to go through this today. We're going to talk about all the trends and narratives for 2022. Ryan, welcome, my friend. Good to see you, man. Thanks for having me. So good to see you. You guys have been busy, man. This 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 is hours and hours and hours of work, right? About a month. A month? For how many together. people? What's that? How many people?
1: Uh, well, mostly me. Uh, have <laughs> taken the month off. and uh, But it, it kind of builds on a lot of our team's research throughout the course of the year. But for something this large, uh, counterintuitively, it's actually much easier to have one person holding pen and tapping in folks on a few different sections. So I'd, I'd say... Yeah, there's 122 sections um i wrote about 110 of them cover to cover and then uh, tapped in analysts on our team uh, like ryan watkins and wilson and mason and uh, aiden and a couple of others for um uh different you know kind of subsections but uh yeah it's uh it, it it did take basically the entire month of november but it's uh it's been a good exercise and good marketing asset for us for the last few years so Going to keep doing
0: yeah, it as long I mean, as it pays off. I mean, I must say that it is so concise. I mean, you talk about people. You cover topics, and you cover a lot of topics, and you cover them in in a, in a huge amount of detail. And, you know, it, it looks like it's 200 pages of reading, but it's actually not that much. I mean, it's not that little because it references tweets, and it references articles, and it references statements. And so if you want to do the thing justice, you you've got to do what I did, and you literally have to read it three or four times. Uh, I eventually resorted to to highlighting certain parts of it you know like a schoolboy again so I actually literally studied the report so I'm gonna have a lot of fun uh, talking to you about this report but before we get into the report you've been around for a while um you've seen bull markets you've seen bear markets you, you you must have developed a thick skin for these type of corrections where do you stand in terms of where we are right now in the cycle and reason why I ask is you know we had this hype around this Cycle repeating 2017 and plan B, recalling for the hundred thousand dollar bitcoin mm-hmm. and the stock to flow model. Do you think we hit the top of the cycle? Do you think that this is it?
1: You know, I, I try to stay away from uh directional uh bets when it comes to the the cycles, just because it, I think it, especially in this cycle, there's so many other external factors at play, right? Um, the market in general has been running oh. so hot, we've had basically 13 years of, uh, of, of economic growth with a minor blip for COVID. Uh, the amount of money that's been printed is um, is just absolutely staggering. And yet, you know, you have this situation where rates are going to rise uh, and the Fed is is has, and I think governments worldwide have to get a, a grip on inflation. So we're kind of entering uncharted territories in terms of risk assets. And the biggest question is, um, how much is that going to discount kind of growth stocks? And with it, Crypto, um, is that going to be a, a net drag for a while, or are people going to continue to um, kind of push their way up the risk curve because uh, real returns are still negative uh, with 7% inflation, even if the Fed, you know, hikes rates to one to or 2%. So, you know, I, I think um, kind of everything ties back to how the, the general economy is doing. And uh, and you know, on a quarter to quarter basis, I don't really have a strong opinion. I will say that um, if you know, that was the, the high for the cycle, then, you know, the, the bear market is going to be more of like a, uh, a, a legacy, you know, uh, stock market bear market versus uh, something like we saw in 2014, 2015 or, or 2018, at, you know, in, in terms of like 90 plus percent drawdowns and, and you know, a lot of pain and a lot of, you know, uh, infrastructure companies and teams laying people off or, or, you know, not really being sure if they're going to be able to uh, kind of survive the cycle. Um, so I think first things first, that's a lot different. If that's a shallower bull market, then we'll have a shallower bear market. Um, but I, I also think we that can it's call probably, it, We can call it a teddy bear market. It's like
0: a yeah, teddy yeah, bear yeah, market.
1: Yeah, it's 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 the teddy bear market, and yeah, you know, I think it's probably uh, on net healthy um, for the cooling off to have happened in this calendar year, because. There's a lot of funds that have been distributing gains. There's a lot of tax selling, um, I think, in advance, which is a far cry from what we saw in 2018. And um, if you think about that as like a rotation from uh, existing uh, holders that that gained tremendously uh, in 2020, 2021 to new entrants that are starting to kind of build their positions, um, then the beginning of next year, you know, we we could see a continued uptick, but. Uh, again, it's either a shallow bear market or bull market will commence. I mean, I would personally be surprised if we didn't uh, follow the, uh, the a similar pattern to previous cycles where there is a blow off top at some point. And we certainly didn't see anything look like a, a blow off top on par with, with 2013 or,
0: or 2017. So I don't want to spend too much time about the, the macro cycle because that's one of those things that you can talk about for for a long time I think we should rather spend more time on crypto and, and and let the macro cycle do its thing I know that crypto can't perform if there's a macro collapse but I, I think we've got to just um we got to take into account that the Fed probably needs to keep some kind of market momentum because there's a lot of money in there and the Fed's not going to do anything stupid and so this is just an adjustment period let's talk about the report and and, and let's start off with Bitcoin so I think, we, we, I think the one thing that we talk about Bitcoin, I think the report started off saying somebody check on Peter Schiff and uh, it spoke about how you know, Bitcoin has outperformed gold and stuff like that. Do you think that Bitcoin is now, that 2021 was the year where Bitcoin entrenched itself as the digital gold and is now going to continually disrupt gold?
1: I think it's been on that trajectory for a long time if you look at the returns of gold over the last few years it's basically you know gone nowhere and you could argue that um, this should be a perfect macro backdrop for for gold to rally and, and really outperform and instead i think what investors are looking towards is bitcoin and crypto more generally as an in inflation hedge and um and paul tudor jones i think had the, the best quote on this last year about Bitcoin being the fastest horse in the store of value race. right? So um, if you are long term bearish on uh, government spending levels and and kind of the health of of fiat currencies and you think that inflation is ultimately going to hit the market one way or the other as it has, then um, you can buy gold, which is the historical store of value, um, but it's not actually really performed that well over the course of the last decade when it should have. Um, or you can bet on something that's been much, much more volatile, but in the long term has been trending um, aggressively upwards. so uh, I, I do think that's probably the right comp. the um, the number that people usually triangulate on is the full market cap of gold, which is you know eleven trillion dollars or what. But I think the more appropriate uh, target is probably the amount of gold that's held for investment either by central banks or or uh, from professional money managers. Um, and that's more on par with about, that's close to about six trillion. So if you kind of use those numbers, then the um, the gold to digital gold flipping would be about $300,000 per Bitcoin. Um, certainly not, you know, 100X left in the Bitcoin market, uh, which is why I think you're you're seeing Bitcoin dominance come down and, and so much more speculation, some of these new kind of sectors of Web3, but um, it's still, you know, significant headroom. And then if you actually start to win the global thesis of Bitcoin replacing fiat currencies, uh, particularly long tail fiat currencies and and kind of emerging markets, then um, then things can can get really interesting and, and we start to get into like the super cycle territory. But I still think that we're a few years away from that.
0: Do you think that Bitcoin is going to become a currency? And I mean, I know, you know, we've been around for a while. We know the scaling issues. We're also following what's happening on the Lightning Network. Uh, we're watching a development in El Salvador. Do you think that Bitcoin is going to be a currency at some point? Or do you think that's going to be in the hands of other things like, I don't know, Luna, Terra, maybe even a kind of DAI or something that's more more, real, more created to be money than a store of value? I think it's a good question. You know,
1: I'd say all three options are imperfect right now. So if you look at who's most likely to adopt a cryptocurrency, crypto asset of some kind as a store of value um, and as a, a true currency, it, it's going to be a high inflation country or one where the rule of law is um, relatively untrusted or, or unstable. And uh so you know, Argentina or Turkey or emerging economies in Asia or Africa, you know, are, are, are probably the early places that come to mind, Venezuela. Um, and you basically have three options. You have something like Bitcoin, which uh, has the most staying power out of all of the you know, crypto assets and, and is still the largest by a significant margin. You've got, um, on the other hand, stable coins, which serve a similar function to their local fiat currencies, but are actually denominated in U.S. dollars and, and you know, are arguably most people around the world that have uh, unstable currencies would prefer a stable currency like the dollar that's going to maintain its strength over time. Right. Um, so then your options are basically uh, twofold. You can uh, own stable coins which have dollar reserves in some bank. And, and they're basically just kind of synthetic assets like USDC or Tether. Um, but those are always kind of subject to you know, seizure risks and uh, some degree of, of centralization and, and censorship um, over time. Or you have uh, things like DAI and uh, UST from uh, from Terra and uh, some of the decentralized alternatives. Those have their own set of risks, which are mostly uh, around bank run risks and and, protocol run risks. And and these aren't just theoretical. We've seen this happen. This happened with Maker during the early days of the covid sell off. Um, We saw a similar. Uh, sell off and and you know some potential liquidity issues with Terra um, in the uh, in the May and June timeframe this year, uh, in terms of like where the reserves were, but um, I think the answer to you know whether crypt- any crypto, particularly Bitcoin, will be a reserve, it just kind of comes back to, to trust and and how some of these uh, emerging market communities will view uh, the volatility uh, of the underlying asset and and kind of what trade-offs are they willing to make. I'd say, you know, in the next couple of years, people might be much more willing to take on Bitcoin, um, given that it's been around for 13, you know, 15 years, you know, as as you kind of extrapolate out. And um, they may prioritize that over, you know, owning a U.S. dollar asset that is ultimately gonna have some risk that ties back to the U.S. and, and U.S.
0: geopolitics. And is, depreci- and is depreciating at the rate of where people at, at the rate where money is being printed at least um l- let's talk a little bit about the dominance of Bitcoin so we, we you spoke mm-hmm. about the dominance and we know that dominance has come down and I think it's probably on 40 right now as we speak but yet you still believe that Bitcoin is going to be king if I read the report correctly you're still believing believe that there's no flippening and that Bitcoin remains the king in 2022 what's your, what's your thinking behind it? You see, you've seen, you've seen a year, you've seen a year where Bitcoin started at, uh, I mean, I'm checking here, 70% uh, Mm -hmm. dominance. It's not 40, 41, 40. Uh, What makes you think that Bitcoin's gonna be able to hold on to that or hold on to the number one spot?
1: Well, I I think it's basically in a class of its own when it's competing as a currency or digital gold replacement. You know, you, you contrast that with Ethereum, which I think is equally exciting. And um, Ethereum has plenty of competition, not only from other kind of layer one blockchains because of how high its fees are, um, but also from other layer two implementations, right? So where, where are transactions ultimately going to be settled? Um, How are uh, these communities being incentivized to actually provision and, and secure block space? Um, The, uh, the 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 dominance of Ethereum as a layer one is declining, you know, i would say close to as quickly as bitcoin's dominance overall but um, bitcoin doesn't really have any monetary competitors right now so you know we can we can argue except for stable coins right and and again that's why it ties back to the trade offs that i just mentioned so i think um, the you know it, it's not necessarily that that bitcoin is um, so much stronger is going to outperform uh, ethereum in the new year it it's more that it's going to be incredibly difficult i think for any assets to displace Bitcoin just based on its, you know, historical resilience and staying power. Um, and that's going to, you know, basically be true until it isn't. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, I have the probability at maybe 20%, uh, in the past, I didn't think we'd, we'd come close, but, um, it's, uh, it's not a trivial challenge for Ethereum to take that position. And, you know, the other thing that I think people consistently forget is that the, um, the Ethereum merge is not a, uh, a slam dunk transition. You know there are still a number of technical risks in essentially migrating an entire ecosystem to a brand new blockchain. Um, that's not betting against Vitalik or the core developers. I know they've been really thoughtful about the rollout, and it's one of the reasons it's taken so long.
0: Um,
1: but it is still uh, a you know a, a half trillion dollar migration of, of assets um to a brand new uh you know tech stack and 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 blockchain itself so it, i i think people underestimate that transition and the transition risk quite a bit now if it goes off without a hitch and you see uh a, a real explosion in in layer two blockchains and you know zero knowledge blockchains that are tying back to ethereum's beacon chain and everything kind of goes smoothly that's when I, I think you can much more seriously um entertain like the flipping and conversation for Ethereum. I'm long both, um, as well as some of the other layer one assets, like uh like Terra, especially, but um, but also you know, Avalanche and um and Solana. So uh you know, we'll we'll kind of take a wait and see approach, but I actually think that you're talking about two different conversations. One is um, you know, is this going to be a replacement for gold or fiat currencies? And then the other is how do you value these emerging tech platforms um, exactly relative to like big tech companies in terms of market cap?
0: I guess it is two different things. One is money and store of value, and one is tech, is, is betting on tech. And I think uh, Tushar, Jane, he, he made a, a great tweet about this. Uh, I'm going to go through the whole tweet, but what he says in the tweet is he says something along the lines of, I'm trying to find the tweet. Here we go. So he says something along the lines of um, Bitcoin is underperforming Solana Ethereum and other major cryptocurrencies in this drawdown. It's worth exploring the Bitcoin decoupling thesis for an explanation why. And in the explanation, what he talks about is he talks about investors wanting productive assets, um, and there being much more money to invest in productive assets. People are looking for what he called productive assets. And he said, look, even though, strictly speaking, probably Ethereum, Solana, Avalanche aren't productive, in this discussion, they are productive. And there would be a lot, a lot more demand for these productive assets than for this call it a non-productive asset. And so his thesis is that Bitcoin, I don't know if he talks about it in time, but he does believe it is going to be a a decoupling and he does believe that uh, the layer ones specifically will beat Bitcoin in, in, I don't know if it's the next year, but certainly that's his thesis. Well, I think
1: they're already close, right? If you kind of take the the layer one assets collectively, they're they're close to flipping Bitcoin already. Um, So, you know, that is... Not uh, necessarily something I disagree with, but it, it, really, it's about like what is the, what is the relative market share, right? And, and what is the relative market size um, of those two different segments? Um, I think where uh, where I agree with Tushar is that um, there's still a, a tremendous amount of growth potential for crypto platforms, just given the the universe of applications that they're um, they're enabling. The uh, the question is, are we getting too far ahead of ourselves in terms of the development of some of those applications? You know, I think if you look at NFTs, if you look at you know DeFi, the um, the organic demand for those products is um, is questionable right now. Um, I think the speculative demand is obvious over the course of the last eighteen months. But if we start to see you know any type of leveling off or or you know prolonged drawdown in an uh, in interest in either of those classes well then your know, demand for block space goes down and then you have know, demand for any of these decentralized computing platforms you know whether it's you know the evm or something new like solana that goes down as well um and uh and and you know it's much more ref- uh reflexive uh in in nature than bitcoin which is completely divorced i think from that like crypto conversation and is, is really just a macro um conversation that's that's to be had you know whether you are a believer in bitcoin or not
0: I mean, the way I said the economy can slow down and there can be a, a, a macro discussion and, and, I, and I buy all of that. But ultimately, I think that there's an undercurrent of a growth of this technology and the use case of this technology. I think there's no doubt that DeFi is going to continue to grow and NFTs. There's no doubt for me that we've just started in, in, the, in the whole NFT game. And when that happens, you're going to need layer ones. You go, mm-hmm. Spin it how you wish, you're going to need layer one power. Now, whether you're going to buy Ethereum or Solana or AVAX or all of them and then Bet on the bridges um uh I think that there is that there is uh going to be an insatiable demand for for layer ones uh, before we talk about layer ones and I want to talk about layer ones a lot I want to talk to you about an ETF and 2021 saw Gary Gensler you have vocally um, you've been very vocal against Gary Gensler in fact so much so that i wanted to have you and gary gensler and hester person on the show but they declined um, you called him a liar and a fraud um, and I, so i guess i guess that you're not happy about his gary gensler and his conduct maybe give us a little bit of background on that well I, you
1: know i laid it pretty uh, pretty thoroughly out in the report it, you know that's that's not something that i take lightly uh, to be as as vocal criticizing a setting you know chairman of uh, a u.s regulatory uh, regulatory agency because um i do think that in general uh honey goes a, a lot further in uh in catching flies down in dc and and the the goal i think the last decade really has been focused on um, educating policy makers versus attacking right and, and so you know there's there's really a, i think a knowledge gap that needs to be crossed in order for most policy makers to get this right um, and it's it's ignorance versus malice that's that's driving you know some of the poor decisions or, or some of the poor policy to the extent that's true. Um, with Gensler in particular, though, none of that really applies, right? He's um, he's someone that has a, a deep understanding of how Washington D.C. works. He's led a, another major financial regulator in the CFTC. He's taught about crypto. He you know, made a 120 million dollar fortune from his work at Goldman Sachs. So he is uh, extremely intelligent, competent um, and, uh, and and hyper aggressive and um, and I think what people uh, in general are afraid to call out or, or can't call out because they're ultimately potentially regulated by the SEC is um, is the double speak and, and what I think is just kind of flagrant dishonesty that if you take more than a couple seconds to kind of look at his thoughts and SCC policy and and kind of what the reality is of the situation you, you kind of know um, that they're just blowing smoke and and uh, kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth um, and a couple of the examples uh, that I, I put forth in the paper are you know uh, every single major crypto company uh, in the U.S., has applied for a broker dealer, and the SEC continues to parrot, you know, this this line that these exchanges and, and all these crypto projects should come in and, and talk to the SEC and engage. Um, in reality, their applications for for broker dealer licenses have been held up by the SEC. Right? If you look at the um, assets that have registered using uh, something called the Reg A Plus exemption, which is a reduced filing requirement and, and kind of Within the um, the letter of, of U.S. securities law, there's only been a, a, a couple of projects that have gone that route, and one props um, is is ironically the only uh, asset that has lost money for U.S. investors uh, that have actually pursued um, coin list uh, uh, you know token sales over the course of the last couple of years, and um, and one of the reasons is compliance with. The SEC's um, guidance and and securities law actually broke the protocol and they just uh, developers cannot go to a regulator for permission and wait months and months on end every single time they want to make a minor tweak. Um, The ETFs are another good example. Uh, The ETFs that were actually approved are toxic assets that cost investors five to 10 percent per year when um, there are similar products that are orders of magnitude larger that are already being actively traded and kind of held. in uh, in four hundred one ks and iras um, through you know grayscale and bitwise grayscale. and others. and and those e- and those quasi etfs um, should be approved. Instead, they're basically being stonewalled because they're based on the spot markets, which are not currently surveilled by the sec or, or any other regulator. And so, um, you know, Gensler's a- approach has basically been: you know, we're, we're basically not going to approve an etf until there's surveillance of the spot markets, and we need that authority from Congress. Um, so when it comes to protecting investors, you know, it, it's basically all lip service because they've approved something that's toxic um, and they're allowing these kind of quasi ETFs to trade without conversion. Um, and ultimately, they're trading at a, at a deep discount as a result. Right. So so investors are losing across the board. And, and I think Gensler you know, basically just engaged in hostage taking at this point. Uh, but again, he he knows better. Um, and so I think any public comments to the contrary are, are dishonest. and. I said what I said, so I I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I I stand by it, and I think the evidence is pretty obvious.
0: And do you think that there's any chance that we're going to get a Bitcoin ETF in 2022? Do you think that by 2022 he, you know, the SEC get what they want? No, no.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an election year; they're not going to pass legislation that gives the SEC this authority, and we're probably stuck with Gensler through you know the the duration of Biden's first term. So um, I think the biggest question, uh, you know, kind of behind closed doors in, in the crypto policy front is um, how do we neuter this guy and um, and basically, you know, route around him, attack him um, and uh, and and basically um, just kind of win a war against a single kind of lone ranger individual that's um, that's single handedly uh, undermining the, the growth and potential of the entire domestic crypto market.
0: Sure, and I, I saw you tweeted. I saw you tweeted this, um, asking Gary Gensler to protect the to to protect people from the twelve thousand dollar airdrop that users are getting on Uniswap. I mean, we need protection. We demand that you protect investors from this horror. <laughs> I love it. I love I mean, it. I mean, you,
1: you know, like the U.S. is listed next to North Korea, Sudan, and Iran um, as, uh, as as countries that are ineligible for airdrops. I think that, that tells you everything that you need to know about um, the leadership of, of folks like Gensler.
0: The, U- the U.S. is also listed uh, next to Turkey, Poland, Argentina, and Zimbabwe when it comes to inflation. So it's, I mean, you know, you, you're going to you got to start looking at, you know, what's happening in the U.S., you know, <laughs> which list it's on. You are, you are the company you keep, I guess. You are the company you keep. Anyway, let's move on from Bitcoin because I want to talk to you about Ethereum. Um, it's a, I think 2022 has to be a big year for Ethereum with ETH 2.0 and the merger and, and everything else that's happening there. How bullish are you on Ethereum? And do you think that Ethereum maintains its, its spot as the dominant layer one smart contract uh, blockchain.
1: Well, I don't think that's any question. Uh, the The question is, will it maintain its dominance in market share? I think that's that's more difficult, right? Because there, um, the fees are still high, and there are other ecosystems that are getting developed, you know, at warp speed right now. Solana, Polkadot, uh, Cosmos, and, and Terra, etc., um, Avalanche. Uh, so, I, I think um, it's unlikely that Ethereum. Is the majority of the market uh anymore um but that's not to say that it's it's kind of seen the end of its growth i i think you know ethereum will be a trillion dollar um network and and it'll it'll hit that ten thousand dollar mark in the process um but uh markets are also forward-looking right so uh the Speed at which the merge takes place and the speed at which uh, kind of interoperable solutions and, and, you know, kind of liquidity between L1 and L2 and, and kind of L1 to L1 uh, is developed, I think is going to have a, a big impact on uh, on Ethereum's growth going forward. Because people uh, are extremely bullish on Ethereum for good reason, but it is no longer the only game in town and it's no longer the only stack that developers are building infrastructure on. Um, which is a far cry from like the end of last year.
0: What do you think of, of layer two and this whole layer two narrative? And specifically now we're talking about rollups and we're talking about two kinds of rollups. We're talking about this battle between optimistic rollups and, and ZK rollups. How does that play out in 2022? The actual
1: developments on, uh, on, on layer twos might take a little bit longer than people are appreciating. Um, you know, it's obvious that the demand is there. It's obvious that um, these blockchains, you know, work and, and they do provide a really valuable scaling solution. We've seen this, you know, across countless of the top DeFi apps at this point, um, and you know, NFT marketplaces like uh, like OpenSea. But um, I think the uh, the user tools, uh, you know, and and kind of the abstraction of actually going from you know blockchain to blockchain is, um, I think that is an un- underestimated challenge right now. And it's going to take a little bit longer to resolve uh, than, than a lot of bulls might be predicting. So um, I think th- the end result of that is the other layer one's benefit. And it takes a bit longer for you know, Ethereum to kind of capture all the upta- uh, upside of this like layer two development. At the same time, if those other uh, Ethereum competitors start to get full and the fees start to go up, they're also going to need their own layer two solution. So I I think we are kind of permanently living in this multi-chain world where you're going to have a settlement between different types of blockchains and applications that are built on different stacks for different use cases. Um, And it's it's, really just a matter of time before um, I think most of them win. The question is like, how big will will that winning marketplace be? Because you're probably talking about you know, two or three different standards, right? So the EVM, things are going to have to be EVM compatible. Um, will like one of the other standards be something like Cosmos IBC? I think that's probably the, the kind of runner up right now. Um, but you know, what about Polkadot? What about Solana? I think those technical standards and the ecosystems that are gonna develop, there's, you know, right now half a dozen or a or, you know, dozen different um, attempts at creating alternatives to, to Ethereum's virtual machine but um that will probably narrow to just you know two or three within the next couple of years and, and those would be the ecosystems that, that i'd be keeping an eye on and, and thinking about betting on um as uh as the developer tools ecosystem continues to mature
0: zk rollups optimistic rollups which one
1: you know i don't know anyone that's bullish on optimistic
0: rollups beating zk rollups long term um Arbitrum seemed to be there. Wrote a, a medium article this weekend explaining how long-term, actually optimistic rollups are a whole lot better. Uh,
1: I, I didn't see that particular post. I'll be I'll be interested to read it. If it happened this weekend, yeah, it uh, it didn't cross my my radar. But um, you know, Arbitrum is building uh, optimistic rollups. I would certainly hope uh, for their own sake and their own you know kind of preservation. Uh, they're they're kind of bullish on their own technology long term. Um, we'll yeah. see. I mean. You know, the answer is probably a little bit of both, right? Maybe not every application is going to run on um, on zk rollups, but uh, I think by and large, uh, in terms of speed, scalability, and um, and privacy, you know, they're they're uh, potentially a panacea. Um, but again, I think there's there's so much in terms of usability, and there's so much infrastructure that needs to be developed for that to really take root and become dominant um
0: that's uh you know we're, we're really just arguing over time frames here so if i hear what you're saying correctly you're saying that it may not be ethereum but it's probably evm that's much more the winner here than than the actual ethereum chain if i'm hearing what you're saying it's that there's going to be an insatiable demand for layer ones and evm is probably the one that has the most network effect and so you're kind of going to get this insatiable demand for layer one EVMs and it doesn't, I mean, it does matter. Some, some are going to succeed and some aren't going to succeed, but a lot of them are going to succeed.
1: Yeah. It, the, the way, the way to think about it is like EVM block space or, you know, IBC block space, right. You know, just a, a, any, anything, um, where there's adequate security in the networks, um, applications are ultimately going to migrate to the, uh, the chains that have the, the right trade off for their end use case between, fees, security, and um, and settlement speed. So, so that, I think...
0: Thank you. Go ahead.
1: No, I, so, you know, a, as long as Ethereum fees are where they are, it's difficult to bootstrap a new application that has, you know, any degree of, of kind of high transaction costs uh, or high transaction throughput because the per transaction fee is, is just prohibitively expensive. You're do, If you're doing settlement or like, you know, large you know, mints or you know, large uh, loan originations, things like that. Obviously, Ethereum layer one is fine, but otherwise it's going to have to move to either L2 or another L1. And, and whether the EVM is the right solution at that point, um, I think you know, it's going to be one of them, maybe forever, uh, probably forever. But I think right now we're kind of looking for that second and third technical standard from uh, on the smart contract side.
0: Let's talk about the never-ending Solana summer. I think that's how you you called it in the in the article. You said Solana is going through this this long, never-ending summer. How bullish are you long-term about Solana and and the developer activity on Solana? You are seeing a lot of a lot of money going into there. You're seeing a lot of amazing applications being built there. You're seeing a lot of use case. You're seeing a lot of stickiness on the Solana network. Addresses seem to remain active uh, much more than they remain active on Ethereum because on Ethereum the people sign up but can't afford the gas fees how bullish are you on solana
1: i'd say uh again solana cosmos uh avalanche and polka dot are are probably the the next kind of four blockchains uh to watch and then terra uh on on cosmos by and large but it is kind of going multi-chain with with its um focus on, on stable coins um the answer is kind of all of the above. Um, I've invested in a, in a couple of different infrastructure plays that are kind of building around the Solana ecosystem. I've done the same with Terra. Um, I will uh, likely do the same for, uh, for for Avalanche and Polkadot. I just haven't really gone that deep in, in those end markets yet. You but, see, that's, um,
0: that's the opportunity. A lot of people, a lot of people who are smart and in the know haven't started buying Avalanche yet. I think most big crypto funds are still underway to Avalanche. We said this, we said this a week ago. And i show that avalanche kind of came from nowhere, and most people are are underway to avalanche for for what it for what there is there and that may be an opportunity
1: well uh, there's two different things there's kind of the core asset and blockchain and then there's the infrastructure around it when I so when I say like exposed to, to the infrastructure and the kind of application layer um, it's, uh, it's you know basically private investments uh, that I've, I've made in infrastructure so we're uh, different applications on those other chains so a, a little bit different I'm not talking about the, the core blockchains themselves. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't want to kind of comment on, on any one of those, uh, potential, you know, layer one alternatives. Um, but I think if you're going to make a, uh, calculated bet as kind of, uh, a, a broader investment thesis, um, going long the alternatives to, uh, the EVM or basically just the alternatives to, to Ethereum, um is probably going to be higher beta uh, than uh, than just betting on you know ethereum itself
0: so let's talk about a world where you are a new investor in the space, but you have all the knowledge that ryan sulki has, and you've got ten thousand dollars to invest in what we call layer ones and layer one in this case means layer one and ethereum layer two how do you how do you distribute your funds i mean would you would you be more overweight Solana would you be like where would you distribute your funds if you had ten thousand dollars and you wanted to get involved in this layer one narrative
1: well I, I won't give anyone investment advice um but you don't you do know, that yeah as 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 kind of you know, personal disclosures um I'm you know I'm overweight the um some of the the assets that I just mentioned right the alt the alt uh, layer ones um and that's really just because of the risk of the ethereum merge and um and and i think the speed uh at which that actually plays out so in the meantime i think you're going to see in the next few quarters a ton of continued momentum from some of these alternatives that are uh, gradually siphoning off developer demand or i shouldn't even say siphoning off it's more just decentralizing developer demand um and and you know, one of the reasons that i think this is going to persist is if you are a new builder uh, or a new investor in crypto you are not going to experiment on Ethereum as a layer one, because out of that $10,000 budget, you're going to end up spending 10% of that just on gas fees, um, which is completely
0: unsustainable for, for a, new on a new good new day, third. 10%, but probably way more. <laughs> yeah. De- depending on what your activity is. Exactly. Yeah. What about Cardano? You haven't spoken wherever you haven't mentioned Cardano. I mean, is it, you know, Cardano is still up there as you know, the top 10 coins, I think. Is it still in the top 10 coins? It is. It's number eight in the top ten coins. Like, what about Cardano? Uh,
1: I haven't spent a whole lot of time uh, studying Cardano. It's been very slow and steady uh, development cycle for uh, for, for Cardano, and, and in terms of ecosystem development, it's just it, it's it's not um, something that I've seen a ton of traction on compared to the other layer ones. So I, I know that there's a big uh, enthusiastic Cardano community. I know they're, they're not happy that I didn't cover it at greater length in uh, in my report, but um, I talked about the things that I thought were most important, and um, and yeah, they were probably you know one 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 tier below the uh, the other projects that I had referenced and and uh, and, and wrote about in terms of broader uh, user, investor, and developer interest.
0: Let's talk about NFTs. So, 2021 was. I mean, I, I I think and I guess for you too, the the growth of NFTs and the commercialization of NFTs that happened in 2021 was something completely unexpected. Yes, we probably thought that NFTs were going to happen, but the rate at which they accelerated in 2021, Melania Trump doing NFTs. I mean, you know, we we've now heard, we've now heard it all. What happens to NFTs in 2022? Do you think that we're in a bubble now? Um, you're getting people buying fancy J- JPEGs and not only punks and rocks, but you're getting people buying a whole lot of really nice JPEGs for really huge amounts of amounts of ETH. How do you mm-hmm. feel about the activity there and what happens in 2022?
1: One of the things uh, that I think is really interesting uh, when I was writing the report, I, I, I realized that in 2013, Bitcoin was about one-tenth of one percent of the gold uh, overall market cap uh, at its peak, right? So so Bitcoin got to $10 billion, gold is about $10 trillion. Um, and of course, you know, it corrected, you know, 80%, um, 80% plus uh, from, you know, over the course of the next like 15 months until the, the January 2015 lows. Um, I think uh, something similar is likely going to happen in in digital art and NFTs, where right now, if you look at the total art market versus NFTs, uh, digital art is about one-tenth of one percent of the art market annually. Um, and, uh, and and so you still see that there's a, a tremendous amount of headroom, like 100x you know, potential to get to 10%. Uh, of of the digital art market, which is about where Bitcoin is now as a percentage of gold, right? So kind of using that analog, we went through multiple 80% corrections in Bitcoin over the course of the last eight years until it finally got from one one thousandth to one tenth of of the the analog gold market cap. Um, I think the digital art versus art physical art market is going to be very similar. So um, you'll have 100x growth in digital art over the course of the next 10 years but there's going to be a lot of volatility and, and some of the underlying assets in between. Um, and most of them are not going to have any bid whatsoever. right? So, so the, the uh, effective price is zero because the resale zero. value for, for, for many NFTs is, is zero. There's no order book. right? Um, what I think is different is um, Bitcoin was a shelling point for, for people to invest around. Um, and it's a scarce digital asset that you know, with a fixed supply. Uh, NFTs have no cap uh, in terms of how many can be minted, and 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 you know how many different experiments are going to be run in the coming years. Um, every major brand, every you know, major community, I, th- I think is going to have some form of like NFTs to, to prove you know community membership or fandom. Um, so you could have 100x growth in the market cap of NFTs over the next decade, but that is going to be spread out across many more assets um and the returns of of an individual nft are going to be you know much much higher
0: variance and um and kind of lower expected value versus bitcoin so invest um, in the fix and the shovels i mean then in, in in a play like that then the idea is probably not to invest a lot in underlying jpegs but to invest fix in the and, fix shovels. and the shovels.
1: yep yeah and and that that's how i thought about it right now um you know it was investor in, in OpenSea and a company called upshot um, and, uh, I'm, I'm investing in, in a couple of different collectors, um, that are, are really good and, and, uh, kind of top of their game. But, um, in terms of like individual, like profile pictures and, and, you know, those type of things, I haven't really spent
0: a whole lot of time there. So you don't have a punk or a rock hidden up your, you know, you're not wearing your rock on your uh, Apple iWatch. Uh,
1: well, if I did, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell anybody at this point, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do have a, a, a couple of NFTs, um. One of the challenges is um, is actually, you know, I have not changed my uh, my Twitter avatar for basically eight years now. So um, I think I will be much more excited about NFTs once South Park Studios um, has uh, has
0: their drop uh, er early next year. Uh, Hopefully that comes to market. Awesome. Let's talk about uh, the metaverse. And when I say the metaverse, it's not meta. It's actually the metaverse. What do you think, first of all, of Meta and Facebook going into the metaverse, so to speak?
1: I think Web three metaverse plays are going to be uh, extremely hyped up, and, and I think gaming is going to explode next year um, in terms of like investment in in Web three games, um, just because of what happened with Axie and and you know some of kind of the the very early winners. Um, I think uh, in terms of returns, they're probably going to be terrible because I think that that's getting to be a very crowded um, crowded space and, and kind of crowded market right now. And um, I think we're probably five years away from the hardware being where it needs to be for people to actually spend a, a legitimate amount of time um, in the metaverse, uh, or, or at least any version of it that, you know, we think would be you know interesting. Um, and... You know, I, I guess the, the perfect example for me is early on in the pandemic, I actually bought our entire team at Musari you know, Oculus headsets. And we did a couple of like virtual cocktail, cocktail hours, you know, basically, you know, setting up my my quest and creating like this virtual cage was one of the most amazing, like surreal moments I've had You know, with any tech. It was like on par with reading the Bitcoin white paper or getting a new, in, in an Uber for the first time. Um, and just that whole experience was amazing. I haven't used it in a year. Right. So like, I, I think, um, it, you know, that it's going to be interesting. Um, and the question is at what point does the hardware and, you know, kind of the, the entire like ecosystem, um, develop so that it is like an area that you spend a a non-trivial part of your waking hours. Um, I, I doubt that's going to happen anytime in the next couple of years and like games are supposed to be fun. So if everything is just a play to earn game, And you're you're literally you know kind of grinding out um, work uh, in in kind of the crypto gaming sector. I don't think it's that interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess the last thing that I'll say is you need Meta proper, um, you know Facebook's Meta to to basically spend ten billion dollars a year on the infrastructure that will move the way for a lot more of this development. um, Exactly. A bandwidth, graphics, you know, just general computing standpoint. Um, And crypto does doesn't have the, um, maybe we have the financial resources, but we don't have the the coordination skills uh, to
0: go head to head with with a motivated like big five tech company. So that's the way I said, I mean, I I see Facebook building an incredible infrastructure for what will then become a decentralized Web3. So for me, when I think about the metaverse what that is for me is it's web 3 metaverse which means everything has to be decentralized the money the storage space these these the computing power that for me is you want to talk about a metaverse that's real metaverse but i think letting facebook develop the tooling uh is is probably where we want to be i i while you were talking because you mentioned you buying oculus for your teams uh i don't want to talk about specific projects but I, I did see something i know you have kids and it's part of some, what i want to talk about but I saw this, which, I don't know, I, this for me is the next level. It's effectively linked to a car's system. So- So how it works is it's linked to your car system in terms of speed and in terms of you know, the steering wheel and whatever else, and it kind of put puts you in a driving metaverse, so to speak. So you you know it. it, it I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but I have kids, and we often go for driving, and driving is like the worst experience of their lives. And I just thought that is like an incredible. Uh, um, it's an incredible tool, and you're putting yourself into the metaverse in your cars. It's, it's just something I think is going to be great, especially when you think about the world of driverless cars. And what are we going to do in driverless cars? We would want to get into, we would want to have experiences. What else are you going to do in a driverless car? Have a meeting? Have an experience? I think, for me, that's, I think, the way that it's going. And I think let, it will let Facebook develop. Uh, we, we should let Facebook and others develop those kind of tools.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, that looks cool. Uh, but I don't uh from uh from like a crypto or like an investment standpoint i don't really know how to play that um so uh you know i i, I stick by my comment that i think is probably you know a few years away and there's you know a lot of supporting infrastructure that needs to be built before we get the the real interesting use cases
0: let's talk about layer uh, let's talk about bridges between layer ones it's something we haven't spoken about um we are going to live in a multi-layer one world, and I guess the trick then is to have these amazing bridges. I think you mentioned earlier that the bridges were quite clunky at the moment. I think, I don't know if you used the word clunky, but I guess it's not a great experience being able to bridge. You've got Thorchain, which, Rune, which is, I guess, a reasonable bridge, but has been exploited a few times and, and is in its teething stage. You have uh, Layer Zero. I don't know how much you know about Layer Zero, but Apparently, they're now raising on a valuation of a billion dollars. And there are rumors that Elon Musk is investing in, into layer zero. I don't know if that's true or not true. How do you see the future of bridges? To me, bridges seem almost like the most important thing after the layer ones, and maybe even the most important thing full stop. because you know, if the layer ones become too clogged or too expensive, it's the bridges that are going to let you bridge from place to place. And I don't see investors making enough of a fuss around around bridges. How do you see the, the cross chain world and, and the role of bridges?
1: Uh yeah I mean I I think it's uh NFTs, DAO infrastructure and uh, and bridges were kind of the three themes uh that I had for for 2022 as is, is the most interesting areas of development. So I definitely would agree. I don't think it's a trivial challenge to solve. And um uh you know, Thorchain is is probably the the largest project right now, but yeah Thorchain layer 1 um uh sin I'm I'm forgetting the the full uh project name. Uh, But as as SYN is the um, is is the ticker, um, or I think probably the three that have the most pickup right now. Um, But uh, it's, I I would expect that we're going to see a lot more venture funding in bridges and in infrastructure that makes bridging much easier.
0: Yeah. I mean, we are seeing that uh, as I mentioned, there's a company called layer zero labs. Rumor is that they are raising on a billion dollars. They haven't come to market yet. They got a great way of solving this bridge thing. I think thought chain is amazing. Uh, but again, hacked or exploited a few times. Um, but I think for me, the the future is very much uh, in 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 bridges. One more before I let you go, and that's uh, the world of decentralized social media, because that's something that you know. I mean, I think Dan Larimer was the first big attempt with Steam. Was, it? was it Steam? Was Steam? Was Steam? It, what is it called? Steam? It, it didn't really go anywhere. Then uh, EOS. He, he tried. It, he tried to do it again at EOS with uh, what is it called? To the social media network that they that they launched voice that's what it was called i don't i don't know anybody that uses voice do you think that 2022 is the year of decentralized social uh
1: i i am extremely bullish on decentralized social plays um i haven't seen anyone really get the formula right just yet um and it kind of goes back to my comment on gaming Like games are supposed to be fun. Social media is supposed to be organic and and not feel like a multi-level marketing scheme. Um, So, uh, you know, I I think the early experiments in decentralized social have had, um, you know, everybody feels like a salesman, I guess, uh, instead of everybody feels like a, a creator. And whoever kind of solves that problem first so that you have a really good like web two experience and social network, but with incentives for creators, um, I think is gonna do really well. And and, and one of the things um, that I think would go a long way in terms of uh, kind of filling that gap and, and, uh, and solving that problem is um, creating something that's more similar to lotteries for going viral, right? Um, so, you know, basically instead of, getting paid per engagement or paid per click or paid per like, you have actually interesting viral um, bits of content that are, are rewarded at the individual level. So uh, the, the reward is not like how much time you're spending as a surf, just generating mindless content and, and like intentionally going out of your way to create things that are ultimately going to get you paid. It's a byproduct instead. Um, I think there's a couple of different projects and and entrepreneurs that are working on that, but it's all still incredibly early in large part because I don't think the systems um, were scalable enough and I don't think you could actually do on-chain decentralized social networking um, until very recently. Um, So we'll we'll,
0: we'll see more of that. And uh, again, I'm, I'm excited to spend a little bit more time there as an investor next year. Yeah, I mean, you had BitClout that launched with huge money from Andreessen and, and a whole lot of others, and I think they've rebranded to Deso. DSO. they got a coinbase mm-hmm. listing a few days ago. They are probably on the right path, although I must say, I think that BitClout was a bit of a clunky experience. Like when I used BitClout, and I, I, I am an investor. I bought BitClout. I bought Clout, and which is now Deso, didn't have fun. It just wasn't fun. I mentioned to you when we were talking and this is no product endorsement. And to be honest, I'm not even investing in this. I'm just a user like anybody else uh, that I have been playing around with this BBS. And to me, it's the first social media experience on Web3 that feels like a social media experience on Web2. And it, I think the concept of earning much more for tweets or, or posts that have gone viral works much better here than I have. And I think for me, this is the first... And again, I say I'm not an investor. I haven't invested in this thing. I've just found it, used it, having fun with it. It's the first time that, I'm, that I am think I, I've always bought into the Web3 social media narrative, but I've never seen an application that competed or compared to the Web2 applications. Nothing beats a good interaction on Twitter and et cetera. And this is the first time where I actually, I think I've had more fun on a Web3 social media application that I've had on a web two social media application. And so I think, and you don't at any point realize that you are on a web three application because there's no MetaMask, there's no gas fees. There's nothing. There's none of that. It's just, it's, it is what it is. And you just use it and you play maybe have a look at it. But that, that gave me hope that we may actually see real social media applications on blockchain in 2022. And creators will actually be paid fairly for the content that they create. That was the first the first spark that I saw that actually made me believe that.
1: Yeah, I, I, there's uh, there's another um, company that I, uh, I'm close to. Uh, n- nothing's uh, been announced yet. Uh, kind of in general about the project, it's still very kind of early stages. But um, but I've just really liked the organic experience. Um, it's uh, GM dot um, Similar, you know, kind of look and feel of a decentralized Reddit, but it doesn't feel like you're lo- you're using a um, Web three application where you have to connect your wallet. Yeah, you know, a lot of this is optional, and um, and it's not necessarily a must in order to sign in and, and actually you know, use mm. the use the product. So I, I think those are exactly the right experiments. You know, whether or not they take off. You know, these are, are angel stage um, or, or seed stage startups with extremely small teams um, that I think are on the right track and and on to building something interesting um, and you know, we'll, we'll kind of see uh, how the, the race unfolds. But I think you're going to see a whole slate of early developments next year and, uh, and, and you know, one or two of them will hit or it might take a few more years still um, for us to get to that tipping point. It feels like the tipping point is is close, if not here, though, given everything we've seen recently uh, in terms of censorship and, and kind of the momentum behind NFTs and, and kind of user and creator ownership.
0: Rob, if I let you go, Masari, you guys had an amazing year. You built an amazing business. I think your resources and your, the quality of research that you guys put out and the quality of data that you guys put out is the accuracy of the data, the way that you guys measure things is unparalleled in the industry. Maybe just two seconds about what we can expect from Masari in, in 2022, what the, what, what, where you guys are going. What, what, you know, there's A lot of our viewers are signed up, and if not, they will be signed up. Where, where to from here at Masari?
1: At the end of the day, our mission is to organize and curate crypto information at scale, so that it's a little bit less scary for people to enter the market, and and you know, we can actually help people make smarter decisions once they're here. Um, and uh, and there's really two sides of the business. There's the kind of market intelligence side. I call that almost like the Web two side of the business. It's subscription research and, and data. And um, we have you know large enterprises and and all the way down to individuals that are subscribers. Um, to uh, use our data visualization tools and actually get some curated uh, research and and you know alerts and monitoring for for the different networks that we cover. Um, on the other side, we have uh, an entire suite of what I call Web three services. So you know, we're we're playing a very active role in um, providing services, starting with essentially an outsourced investor relations function for DAOs and and protocol communities. Um, and we do that you know by uh, actually you know, engaging with the communities, you know, in many respects, you know, we're, we're getting paid by the DAOs themselves through treasury unlocks and um, and we'll do things like quarterly reporting or uh, kind of bespoke ongoing research just to get a little bit more oxygen to these projects. Um, and we kind of match the um, the communities with independent analysts. So we're, we're more of a marketplace um, for independent research versus just like a, a paid marketing shop. Um, so I'd say both of those are growing Equally quickly, and we're going to be doing a lot more on the Web3 side, uh, starting with the new Governor product that we rolled out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, essentially, aggregates and allows for active participation
0: in, in protocol governance. Listen, I must say, I've watched your growth since 20. I don't know when you guys started, whether it was 2017 or 2018, or whether you came to market in 2017. But I mean, really, I think one of the most impressive, impressive, impressive companies in the space. I think, I must say, I think you're one of the best operators in the space. I think the the level of integrity that you operate at and the level of performance that you operate at. And then the, the level of content that you bring out is incredible. I think that the difference that a company like Masari makes in the space is invaluable. You you cannot quantify how important a company like Masari is and founders like you are in the space. So well done, my man. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we keep up the, the momentum. I think before I let you go, I guess my best part in the whole report, like, the report's great. The report is, it's a really good report. It's all 200 odd pages. But I guess there's one part which when I read it, was like, this is it. It's the best part of the report. It, it really is. And it's this part over here where it's life advice. And it says, this is probably obvious, but I don't know what I'm doing and neither do you. But if you're fortunate enough to do so, get married, have kids, move to the burbs eventually, you will not give a back... You will not give a fuck about 5% swings in the market when your day ends with a five-year-old laughing about one of his farts, a three-year-old telling you a story via, via a three-minute run on sentence, and a half-naked one-year-old tackling you at the knees during your Zoom call, your final Zoom call of a day. If you're reading this, you're hopefully a time billionaire. That does not change the fact that you are the tail end of many relationships. I read this post once per year, and that is and, and that it is always day one. Everything is in your control. Now off to play with my kids. I've earned it. Fam, happy holidays. So I think with that, I'm gonna let you go and play with your kids. Thank you so, so, so much for giving us this time, giving the banter family the time. We are big supporters and thank you for all the insights that you shared. And thank you for the difference that you make every day to the crypto community because you are one of the people that in my mind is one of the most critical, pivotal founders in the space. So thank you, my friend.
1: Thank you, Ren. And I uh, hope you have a happy holiday. We'll, uh, we'll do it again in the new
0: year great my friend thanks a lot Ryan so good to see you my friend take care of Pantafam. I'll see you guys again next year unless something happens on the markets until then go and have a great time go and spend time with your family stop worrying about the five percent. You will not give a fuck about the 5% swings in your markets when your day ends with family. And that's exactly what I encourage you guys to do. Go and have a great time with your family. The markets will be there next year. This is not a market for selling. Um, It may be a market for buying soon, but there's going to be enough time. We will see you guys again in the new year. Until then, have a great time, my friends. Happy New Year. And thank you for all your love and support in 2021. See you guys in 2022, friends. So smart. Yeah, was wise. He's wise. He's wise and smart. Good package.